Yes, we've all seen the weekly headlines about scandals at uh, big consulting firms like PwC. In fact, the story seems to be growing, I'd suggest. But I wonder how much we understand how these big four consulting companies work. To be more specific, what are the essential differences between partnerships like them and incorporated entities, companies? Some are suggesting wholesale incorporation might be the answer to what we're hearing. To explain, I'm joined by Professor Ian Gow, the Director of the Melbourne Centre for Corporate Governance and Regulation at the University of Melbourne. Ian, welcome to the program. Hi, Geraldine. So what is a partnership and how does an entity which uses this model work, please? So uh, I think to answer that question in the context of the big four, there's sort of two levels. The first thing is um, this, the organisational form that the firms choose um, and they've chosen to use partnership rather than using a corporation. Um, and a partnership differs from a corporation in a number of respects. It's typically a less regulated body in some ways. It's uh, taxed in a very different way in the sense that tax doesn't apply to the partnership, but it applies to the partners themselves. And there's there's other differences just in terms of um, the corporation's law in Australia is very sort of prescriptive in some respects in terms of how a firm is structured, you know, with boards of directors and, and things like that, whereas partnership will typically be governed by an agreement between the partners and in principle, um, there's a lot more flexibility about how that is structured. As opposed to a company that chooses to be incorporated, where presumably, as you say, they're liable to the Corporations Act, which means people can be charged with fraud or with conspiracy or with all the various offences that exist under the corporations law, and we see those in the court slot. So that is a, a major difference, is it not? couple of points there. So uh, the first is that, of course, you could be charged with all those things uh, as partners um, of a partnership. So those things do apply. It, it might be uh, different provisions in a sense it might be sort of under state level fraud laws or but depending on the context, uh, exactly how that works. But certainly, uh, you know, anything that's likely to be uh, naughty for a company to do is likely to be sort of naughty for a, a partnership to oh, do. Oh, I see. Um, so it's the, it does apply. The same laws do apply. Similar laws apply. So in sense that there, you know, the Corporations Act will apply to corporations, not to partnerships per se. But if you're committing fraud, you, you there's no sort of get out of jail free card uh, for a partnership. No, fraud laws will apply. And some of those will be state laws. Some of those will be uh, federal laws. Uh, Commonwealth laws. The other thing is, of course, with regard to the big four, the historical business has been as audit firms. And of course, auditing is a function that is regulated under the Corporations Act, the Corporations Law. And so that is another way that even though these are formally partnerships created under state law, the federal government does have a lot of ability to, to regulate them under the Corporations Act because they um, audited us for the most part. Okay, yes. let me read you some uh, a statement by Brendan Lyon, who's this man who's turned out to be really a whistleblower, um, formerly employed by KPMG, I think it was, and he gave evidence last week. In practice, the big four operate as pseudo-corporations, but by structuring themselves as partnerships, they instead pay no Commonwealth company tax, no state payroll tax, they bear no directors and officers' duties, and as the committee heard today, they don't disclose executive remuneration reports, they provide no audited financial statements, and they see ASIC without power to regulate or prosecute. Is that fair? 
I think some elements of that are fair. So they don't they don't pay company tax. They would instead pay tax. The income would essentially be attributed to the partners directly and the partners would pay income tax. So it's not like they're getting away with paying no tax. They would pay payroll tax. Payroll tax is paid by businesses under state law, not by companies per se. Um, but other elements are definitely uh, true. I mean, the disclosure obligations are less um, in terms of their obligations to disclose information to the public, to ASIC about compensation and things like that. It's also true that their governance models can be very different. Um, sometimes they'll have things that look like a corporate structure in the sense that if you think about PwC, they notionally had a board of sorts, but it's not a board in the same sense as it would be for a company with director's duties and all those kinds of things. In fact, it's hard to glean all the details about PwC without looking at partnership agreement, but it seems in some sense the board was almost subsidiary to the the sort of management of the firm, whereas for a company, of course, it's the other way around. Right. Um, I mean, the big four are really, as I've read it, they're a network of separately owned national franchises. There's no strong global head office like, say, Mercedes-Benz or, you know, McDonald's or Apple. So you can't come in and say, right, something's going terribly wrong here. We'll come in and and fix it. (laughs) It doesn't Am I right? It doesn't work like that? that? That is correct. So that's that's sort of the second dimension on which these the big four are different. Not their part, partnerships rather than companies, as may say someone like Mercedes-Benz or even a, a large consulting firm like Accenture would be. So that's, that's one difference. The other difference is that they really are local partnerships, meaning that they are um, structured as there would be PwC Australia, there would be PwC Singapore, there would be PwC uh, US. And we saw this in practice uh, with Ernst & Young, which was trying to split its business into sort of consulting and auditing. And basically to make that happen, they essentially had to get the agreement of partners in the various jurisdictions around the world, sort of essentially voting on their individual country operations. Right. Interestingly, with the idea about the them operating independently, I think We've seen this play out many times in the past where basically, so NY was involved very big fraud in Germany, which is sort of subject to criminal um, a trial at the moment. And basically it was interesting in that case that even though there was obviously the global brand was taking a big hit in that case, we didn't see a lot of action on the part of EY Global to sort of step in and take control. In contrast, it's interesting, PwC, it does seem that they're sort of got their act together in some regards since they really have stepped in and said, listen, you know, what they, what they call the PwC network has essentially stepped in and said, listen, we're going to get rid of your acting CEO. We're going to basically take someone who was previously working for PwC in Singapore in sort of a global role, and that person's going to come in and be the, the CEO of mm-hmm. PwC. So that's that's actually very unusual in our experience in sort of looking at the, the big four. They have tended to operate as independent operations, but in this case, almost not quite the first to happen, but it's very it's unusual that PwC Global has essentially stepped in and said, listen, we're taking over at least at the CEO level. Uh, and also there's a limit, am I right? There's an individual limit that individual directors or partners can be sued to. A, a $10 million limit, is that, is that another is that another distinction? Um, well, I think in terms of if you're a corporation, you you, you have limited liability um, as a corporation. Partnerships in principle are unlimited, you know, so joint and several liability would sort of be the historical sort of norm. But that is often regulated by statutes. So often there's statutes that will basically say there's going to be some professional sort of liability caps put in place. And, you know, those will be sort of the, the range of $10 million or $20 million sort of in some sense, that's not that's something you 
you would almost get for free in some respects as a corporation in the sense you would have limited liability. And in some sense, it was part of the reforms in Australia with regard to auditing. It's something that they allowed the audit firms to do, which has sort of some some limits on professional right. uh, liability. What, mm-hmm. what, therefore, Ian, could be the way forward? Because as I've heard it from people who are certainly thinking that maybe incorporation is the way we get out of this mess for the future, what did you argue in your book? Well, in our book, I think we, we did really uh, make a distinction between company versus partnership. To my mind, it's not clear that merely changing the legal form from a partnership to a corporation would radically change things. It would have some implications in Australia because, in principle, the, the Commonwealth government has the ability to regulate corporations, but not necessarily uh, partnerships as partnerships. You know, they, they obviously can regulate businesses in a lot of different ways. But in, in our book, we, we actually suggested that the, and I think this is, this is borne out by the recent goings on of PwC, a lot of the issues basically stem from the fact that these big four firms cover a lot of ground in terms of their business. So we tend to think of them as auditors, sort of, or, you know, accountants, and therefore most closely related in sort of a pro-social function with the audit function. Basically, most of the big companies in Australia will be audited by one of the big four. But the reality is in recent years, they've expanded their business in all kinds of areas, you know, technology, HR, legal, marketing, all these kinds of things. And in our book, we argued that the big concern there is basically sort of a dilution of the brand and sort of a an increased emphasis on commercialism. So basically, you know, more of a profit. If, if you look at the histories of uh, the, the big four firms, some origin story of, you know, the original names partners basically going, you know, having very high standards of probity and, you know, going above and beyond to make sure the company's reporting accurately. But over time, as the business has expanded into more and more areas of business, there's sort of a sense in which they've become much more profit oriented. The acting CEO of PwC basically said as much in June. Uh, May or June, when we're sort of talking about how things broke down at PwC. And so one idea that's been bandied about in the United States and in the UK is the idea of basically splitting up these firms so that they have their consulting operations separate from their auditing operations or the sort of more classically probity-oriented parts of the business. Not easy, in other words. Uh, Thank you very much indeed, Professor Ian Gow. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Professor Ian Gower, he's the author of The Big Four, The Curious Past and Perilous Future of the Global Accounting Monopoly. And I just have one text that's come in said, partnerships were mandated for auditors. Under the law, auditors cannot limit their liability by incorporating as a limited liability company. All partners must share the liabilities. The other part of the firm can be companies, according to Anne. So look, that's um, quite a bit to come there, I think. Think bigger about the world we live in. Ask your smart speaker to play ABC RN.